Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you've been kind of, you're supposed to do something and you feel totally ill-equipped to do what you're supposed to do? Has anyone felt like that? Maybe for you right now, a new year means new job and you're going into this new job like, how on earth did I get this job? I'm so unqualified for this job and you're stressing out. Anyone like that at the moment? No? Okay, one person. That's Okay. But maybe, maybe you're going to uni this year. I don't know, maybe it's, you know, something's coming up and you're feeling ill-equipped for uni, a new semester at uni. Maybe you've started a business and that business is growing. You're like, I've got no idea what I'm supposed to do next to grow my business. Or maybe you are like me. Maybe it's like New Year, New Year's resolution. I'm going to get fit at the gym. And you think that just going to the gym and not changing your eating habits is going to get you fit, Right. And I'm like, I go to the gym and I just feel totally out of place. Anyone else like that? I've got all the gym gear. I've got, the, you know, the shoes and the shirt. And I bought that at Christmas time. It's unused. And I go there and it hasn't got an ounce of sweat on it. I'm like, just, just stay on the bike as long as I can. And anyone else like that? Maybe some people. Everyone's just, you know, being quiet this morning. Or maybe things just change and, and things happen in your life. And, and you just feel totally ill-equipped. That was me last year when, or two years ago, when my wife gave birth to twins. You could read all the books and everything and, and do all the courses, but until they come and you're up at 3 a.m. and you're feeding and doing all of that, and you're like, well, not me personally, but my wife, and I've got a bottle helping, just in case you're wondering. But, uh, you know, I'm helping with that, and I'm like, what on earth am I doing here? Or maybe like last year. Things change randomly, and you're like, how on earth am I going to get through this next season? For some reason, these moments where we feel ill-equipped tend to stay with us, right? Like anyone else feel like that? Those moments where you feel totally out of place, they tend to stick with you. I remember when I was in high school, this is a while ago now, and I was in this, we had this after-school soccer competition and I was, uh, we were going to, it was like 160 schools and we'd got to this knockout stage of the competition and we ended 1-1 against this team. So we had to go to penalties, penalties, right? And so no one on our team wanted to take penalties. So there was just a few of us, you had to choose five. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll put my hand up. Even though I was a defender, I thought, no, nah, I'll step up and I'll take a penalty. And I remember walking up to the spot because you're at the halfway line and you've got to walk up to the penalty spot. And then all of a sudden, I was really confident right all of a sudden I start like cramping over and my hands like came together and I was like what the heck is going on and I just started freezing and I was like <gasps> and I went up and I went to take the penalty and I won't tell you if I made the penalty or not all I need to tell you is that we won the game we won the penalty shootout and we went to the next you can ask Pastor Lisa if I made the penalty or not. You don't need to know. That's not important to the story this morning, right? But I remember in that moment feeling totally inadequate and totally ill-equipped and unprepared for what I was supposed to do, for what I was called to do. How many times do we feel alone, inadequate, not ready for the task that's set before us? And I think especially when it comes to the things of God, 
I remember early in my Christian walk, I remember in my first few years of being a Christian and just going, I don't know if I can do what God is calling me to do. I don't know if I can live out this life that God has got for me. You know, many of us feel like that. We feel, I I don't know if I can obey His commands. I don't know if I can follow after God with my whole heart. I don't know if I can say no to the things of this world. I don't know if I can step out in faith and do what He's calling me to do and say yes to what He's called for me. And maybe for some of those that are going to our Melbourne location, maybe you're feeling that right now. I want to let you know God is with you this morning. But you know, you could feel like this. You could feel, I don't know if anyone else has felt like that. I can't do it. I can't be that person. I can't do what He's called me to do. And I can't be the person He's called me to be. But I want to let you know this morning. I want to share with you today. If God has called you to do it, He promises to be with you as you do it. If God calls you to it, He promises to be with you. Just like we saw in this scripture, in the Great Commission, that first scripture that we read, He says, you know, surely I am with you to the very end of the age. That scripture is so interesting. Jesus' command to his disciples is bold and challenging. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go and make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. That's a really big command, right? But his promise is equally reassuring. His promise is equally reassuring to his disciples. He says in verse 20, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's such a deeply comforting thought for us to know this morning, right? That what God has called you to do, He promises to be with you in every part of your life. Whatever God has called you to do right now, He promises to be with you and to guide you through that situation. Whether it's, you know, and it's not just to do with church right here, but maybe it's preaching in your workplace. Maybe it's stepping up in the role that you're doing at your job. Maybe it's serving in church. Who knows? Maybe it's rising up in a leadership position. Jesus promises to stand by us and to stick with us as we live the life that he's called us to live. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love the promises of God. I love when we look in Scripture, God promises time and time again things over our life. So if you're worried this morning, I don't know if I can get through this. God promises so many things to us, and I just want to encourage you with some of them this morning. They're going to come up on the screen. The promises of God in Scripture we find are, He will be with you. Promises of God, He promises to protect you. He promises to be your strength. He promises that He will answer you. He promises that He will provide for you. He promises that He will give you peace. And He promises that He will always love you. We can trust in God's goodness and who He says He is. If He's calling you, He is more than able to equip you and to be with you as you do what He's called you to do. Amen? I know that for when Pastor Lisa and I were going to Zambia just before, this was five years ago, just before we went, or four years ago, just before we went to Lusaka to build the church, we knew that God was calling us. We knew that it was something on our lives for us to do. But obviously there's doubts that go along with that. Are we going to be able to do it? Is it going to work out? But we had to keep walking in that knowledge that if God had called us to it, that He promised to be with us. 
that he continued to be with us. And we saw that when we first went to church, there wasn't that many people in the service. And we were like, oh no, what's going on here? But as we kept walking out the calling that God had for us, we saw promise after promise fulfilled. We saw the church continue to grow. And now four years later, the church is at two services. It's nearly 400 people. There's, we were able to do online for most of the year last year. We've got a great family of churches here and in Hamburg and in Melbourne, all around the world. We knew that as we walked that out, that God promised to be with us. And I want to encourage you, it's the same for you this morning. What God is calling you to do, He promises to be with you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So I've just got a few points that I want to share with us today. The first one is, He has chosen you, even if you don't feel it. My first point this morning is, He has chosen you, even if you don't feel it. You know, this great commission, the word commission means to formally choose someone to do a special piece of work. That's what commission is, right? So when you're commissioned to do something, you've been formally chosen to do. And I want to say that God has commissioned all of us to live a life for Him and to do what He's called us to do. So He's chosen you. Yet so many times we kind of disqualify ourselves from what God's calling us to do because we don't feel adequate. We feel as though we're alone. We feel as though that we can't do it ourselves. But the good news is, even if you feel like you can't do it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you feel like you can't do it. He says that He has chosen you to do it. So if you feel like you can't, it's actually okay. If you think you can't, you think you can't do it, you're probably right. All of us are in that same boat, right? If you'd asked me, can you go and lead the church in Lusaka? like, that is not the job for me. I don't know if I can actually do that. But when I step out in faith, when I live the life that God has called me to live, He promises to be with me as I do it. And it's the same for you this morning. None of us can do it by ourselves. But with Jesus, you can do it. With His grace. His grace just isn't His unmerited favor on our life, but it's His dynamic power to live that life that He's prepared for you. God graces you to do something. And He's gracing you to live the life He's calling you to. And when I think of, you know, a sto- stories of people feeling inadequate, I could think about the uh, story of me missing the penalty, but I'm going to make it a bit more scriptural and spiritual for you this morning, okay? When I think about stories of people feeling inadequate, I think no further than the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Anyone else think of that story? Right, feeding five, which is close to 20,000 people, right? Because it was just 5,000 men. So you add the women and the children. It's about 20,000 people that they had to feed. And they had five loaves and two fish. But I believe that God uses this story to teach us. Uh, you know, we're going to get into that. But he uses this story to teach us and to train his disciples. In Luke chapter 9, verse 11 to 17, it says this says, he welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God and healed those who were sick. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so that they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. Anyone else feeling inadequate like the disciples in that moment? Feed 5,000 people? But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go out and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there are about 5,000 men there. 
Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. It's an incredible story, right? But the miracle of this story kind of just gets passed over. Like we're never really told exactly how Jesus does it. You know, you know we, we are, but we're not. Like if you really, like I, when I look at scripture, I try and think a bit more about what's going on. Like I'm, I read it, but then I'm like, what is this actually saying? Like how did Jesus keep just giving out bread and fish? Like how did it happen? Was he just pulling him out of his pocket? Like did he have another basket behind? Like how did it happen? You know, but I don't think the focus is on the spectacular nature of the miracle. The focus isn't on this how Jesus did it, but rather what it teaches us, those that serve Jesus, what it teaches us about how he works through our lack, how he works through our inadequacy, how he works through our lack. Jesus gives us the strength to meet the overwhelming needs of people when we yield ourselves to him. When we yield our weakness to him, he can use us to meet the needs of others. He chooses us to do his work, even if we're not perfect or not ready to do it. He still chooses us and uses us to do what he's called us to do. You know, and when I think about it, the the way that Jesus performed this miracle is so important to the story, right? It's so important to what I feel God is trying to teach us today. Let me, have you ever thought about this? He, Jesus could have. This is what he could have done, right? He could have called down manna from heaven, just like Moses did in in the desert with the Israelites. And it would have shown the people that this is the new prophet of God. This is the new Moses. This is God's chosen person. But he didn't do it like that. He could have spoken a word and a loaf of bread could have appeared miraculously in each person's hand. Like imagine me just saying, Father, bread, and bread just comes in your hand, right? Imagine that. That would have been way more awesome and heaps more efficient than disciples, 12 disciples giving out to 5,000 people, right? So he could have done it that way, but he didn't do it that way. Or he could have called the angels who could have come and taken the bread from his hand and flown it to each of the groups because there was groups of 50, right? That's what it said in the scripture. They had groups of 50. They could have taken it to each group. Imagine the, 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 the people's faces when that happened. Here comes an angel from the man of God bringing us bread and fish. But he didn't do it that way. So the question has to be asked, how did Jesus do it? How did Jesus do the miracle? He used the inadequate disciples to distribute the bread and the fish to the people. He used the inadequate disciples to distribute the bread and the fish to the people. What is that trying to teach us? What is the spiritual truth in that? And it's going to come up on the screen. God uses inadequate people to meet the needs of people on earth. God uses inadequate people like you and me to meet the needs of people on earth. If you if he's calling you and you feel inadequate, that's okay. Jesus can still use you. If he's chosen you, he has a plan for your life. He promises to be with you to the very end of the age. Amen? Is this comforting for someone this morning? I love these scriptures. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5, it says, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, 
but our sufficiency is from God. We are sufficient because of God. And I love this. If you're feeling like you, you can't do it this morning, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 to 10 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is Paul saying, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ, then for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, what? Then I am strong. He promises to make you sufficient. He promises to make you strong when you feel weak. God is our ultimate help in our time of need. Amen? When you feel like you can't do it, when you feel like you're inadequate, when you feel like even though He's chosen me, I don't feel like I can do it, He promises to be with you and to make you strong. Amen? Come on. Your calling comes with a promise, and that promise is God is with you. My second point this morning is He wants to bless you. My second point today is He wants to bless you. I mean, is this speaking to someone this morning? Can we need to lift that volume a little bit more? Come on. Luke 9, verse 16 to 17, in that story it said, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Think about this, without the Lord's blessing... Without God's blessing on the five loaves and two fish, that was totally inadequate, like what we've been talking about. Five loaves and two fish just was not enough, right? But with God's blessing, it was more than enough. With the hand of God on the five loaves and two fish, they had 12 baskets of leftovers. You without God is not enough. You with God's blessing is more than enough to do what He's called you to do. So whatever you're doing in your life, whatever God has called you to do right now, whatever it is that you feel called to do or whatever it is that you're doing in your life right now, make sure that nothing hinders God's blessing in your life. Because it's not about you and whether you can do it. It's about God's blessing on your life. So if there's any sin, distraction, indifference, lack of honor, whatever it is that's going on in your life right now, which is stopping God's blessing on your life, then get rid of that. It's time to get God's blessing on your life. And think about this. How do you get God's blessing on your life? You know, it's kind of a term where we say, oh, God bless me. But how, how does God's blessing come on your life? Again, this is me, like, think, this is how I think, right? How do I get God's blessing then? If God says, with His blessing, I'm more than enough, how do I get that on my life? I want to tell you how it doesn't come. It doesn't come by wishing for it doesn't come by hoping I'm lucky enough to receive it. doesn't come by just wishing for it and not doing anything and hoping I'm going to get it. That's not how God's blessing comes. But the scripture says this is how God's blessing will come on your life. Matthew 5 verse 3 to 10 says, God blesses those who are poor. It actually means poor in spirit. So those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, 
for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. What an amazing piece of scripture that is. If you're poor in spirit and realize your need for him, if you're humble, if you hunger and thirst for justice, if you're merciful to others, if you have a pure heart, if you work for peace, if you're okay with being persecuted for doing right, God says that he will bless you. God says that his blessing will come on your life when you do those things. When you accept God, when you accept Jesus into your heart, his blessing comes on your life. And this is the lifestyle and character of someone who follows after Jesus. If you are obedient to God and follow his commands, the impartation of the supernatural power of God will come on your life. Many of us think, I just don't have to do anything. I just have to be with Jesus. That's correct. But if that being with Jesus does nothing in transforming you to live a life after him, then God's blessing will not continue to come on your life. So we need to receive from God. And then like James says, our faith without works is dead. We need to do something for God. We need to live the life that he's called us to live. So we have to remain faithful to God. And my last point is this. He wants to multiply you. I don't know if you remember last year, Pastor Jared shared on this story of feeding the 5,000 at our Heart for the House weekend. Anyone else remember that? And he shared some truth at the end of his sermon, which has totally changed my life. It's totally revolutionized my thinking and totally changed the way I approach, you know, God's house, his blessing, and it's really transformed my life. And he shared a truth from that scripture. He taught about how Jesus blessed the bread, he broke it, and he multiplied it. Does anyone remember this? Jesus blessed it, he broke it, and he multiplied it. And as I looked at this, Blessing and brokenness go together hand in hand in Scripture. You can't have multiplication in your life without God's blessing and God's breaking. You won't find God's blessing apart from God's, God's breaking. You see it in the lives of every person that God uses in Scripture. But when I think of that, I think of Moses. God blessed Moses, but then Moses was broken for 40 years you know, working, breaking his will to God's will, breaking his character to God's character. God blessed him, but then there was a breaking in his life so that then he could then go on and multiply what God had asked him to do. God uses broken things, inadequate things for his will. If your life is broken right now, that's something that God can put back together and heal and use. Everything in Scripture, everything in the natural world, most things, there's something that's broken before something can multiply. It takes broken soil to produce a crop. It takes broken clouds to give rain. It takes broken grain to give bread and broken bread to give strength. It's the broken alabaster box that gives forth perfume. It's Peter broken and weeping bitterly who returns to greater power than ever. And it's Jesus broken in the grave who then resurrected to life and seated at the right hand of the Father. I believe this you know, sums up and signifies what God wants to do in our lives and in your life and in your calling. He's chosen you. 
He wants to bless you. He wants to break you. So why? So He can multiply you into the life that He's got for you, into the life that He's calling you to live. He wants to bless you. He's going to break you so that He can multiply you to have an impact in this world. Amen. Your calling comes with a promise. That promise is not just, yeah, I'm blessed by God. But God's blessed you in the breaking. He's still with you. And He's going to be with you as He multiplies you to have an impact in the world around you. You know, for us in our lives, in in the life of our church, in the life of our church around the world, we're seeing it in Lusaka now as we're blessing people with wrap it up and, and different things. And as we continue to do that, God wants to bless us. There's a breaking. What did I say that means? That's a breaking to His will, submitting and surrendering our will to, to His will, our character to His character. So that why? So that He can then multiply us, so that we can have generational impact to the people around us. I know now that as I've you know, gone through the last 19 years of being a Christian, it's not just for me, but it's for my girls. It's for their children. It's for their children. It's for the people around us. But your calling comes with a promise. We're going to sing in just a moment. Can you stand with me, church? I want to let you know this is for everybody. When we read that, this is not just for me and and some of the pastors and some of the key leaders in the church. No, this is for every single person in this room. God blesses us, breaks us so that He can multiply us to live the life that He's calling us to live. I pray that you would know this morning. I pray that you would have that revelation, that your calling comes with a promise that God wants to bless you. He wants to change who you are so that He can then multiply you to live the life that He's called you to live. I would love it if we could sing this song together. We could really sing it out, believe it with all of our hearts. Because as we, you know, whatever's dead in your life, whatever's maybe broken right now, He can use that to come something beautiful. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.